0: Welcome everyone to what is actually the most important session at Gastein this year. One Health. This is your future, your children's future, your grandchildren's future. So that's why you come to hear about what's going to be discussed because this is of critical importance to the future of our planet. So I'm Martin McKee, if you haven't already guessed, and uh, we're going to be talking about One Health. and. We want to know what it means for the people. Now, the people that we have, of course, are all of you in the audience and the people who are watching online. So what we will be doing when you go to Slido uh, is to put in the, uh, a single word answer to the question, what does One Health mean to you? And I think we will have the instructions coming up now to tell us how to do that. So if you go to slido.com and the hashtag is moon and that will allow you to put in your one word and that's really important because that is going to shape the responses of the panel as we go through the session. So we're going to start off in a minute with a short keynote presentation from Johannes Rauch who is the Austrian Federal Minister of Health and then we're going to be following that up with a conversation with Dame Sally Davis, the former Ch- Chief Medical Officer of the United Kingdom and also the uh, UK government's antimicrobial resistance envoy. And uh, then a discussion panel with uh, the most amazing experts who have been thinking about these issues for a long time and will bring together a series of perspectives. As always we 've got Tamsen over here um, who is going to be monitoring Slido, bringing in the comments and the poll answers and uh, as you say, you can get it there and we will have Floris keeping us entertained and informed and challenged with his cartoons and uh, we do unusually want you to be looking at your phones, not to see what the value of the pound is today, because I can tell you it'll just be going down, but to be on Twitter, because we want you to tweet to a much wider audience. And the hashtag, if you don't already know it, is EHFG2022. So we want you to spread the news of what is going on at this extremely important session to the rest of the world. So what I now want to do is to invite our keynotes. Speaker, uh, Minister Johannes Reich, to tell us why a one health approach matters for people and for policy making. Thank you. <laughs> and, oh, sorry.
1: Good afternoon everybody. The first challenge is to entering the stage. Uh, I see. Uh, now I'm very pleased at all that the European Health Forum, Gastein, has decided to focus today's plenary to the crucial topic of One Health. The One Health approach, you know, is based on the understanding that the health of humans, animals, and our environment are closely linked. Without this more comprehensive and integrated approach, we run the risk of ever increasing threats to our health and ecosystems. The different crises we have been facing since the past few years, which were discussed in yesterday's plenary, underscore the importance of, uh, let me call it, radically rethinking both health policy and the way we organize our societies. Despite the numerous challenges COVID-19 has brought, we can take uh, the opportunity to move forward with preparations for future health crises and future thinking on a more holistic approach to health. As the COVID-19 crisis, the climate crisis, inflation and the energy crisis demonstrate there is a very strong link between health, social and environmental challenges. The destruction of ecosystems and global warming play a critical role in the spread of novel diseases such as COVID-19, which then create further increased social crisis. Health spending should be treated as an investment, not as a cost. We need funding mechanisms and innovative solutions to make health systems more sustainable environmentally, friendly and efficient while they continue to deliver high quality care. In doing so, we contribute to health for all, the health of people, animals and our planet. The COVID-19 pandemic has also demonstrated that health threats no borders. So we must develop both EU-wide and global multidisciplinary strategies oriented around the One Health approach. In particular, good social policies with comprehensive social protection are key to people's health. These have many dimensions – education, health, long-term care, employment, poverty, reduction, equality, and so on. The European pillar of social rights and other the United Nations sustainable development goals can guide us here. In our response to the next pandemic, rapid detection, early warning, and immediate response must be the goal. We also need to move away from a reactive focus towards a preventive approach to health. This is particularly important in view of an aging society. The zoonoses and pandemics of the last decades can all be traced back to food or the poor husbandry of animals. The way we treat animals causes a high number of health-related follow-up costs and promotes antibiotic resistance, just to name two examples. On the environment, the consequences of the climate crisis on health are tangible on our health system. We have to respond more strongly to them. Health impacts due to that extreme weather events or emerging infections infectious diseases need to be systematically addressed. At COP26, the issue of health was included in the program of the climate negotiations for the first time an important step. We must support lower-income countries in Europe and the Global South in their efforts to also prepare for and address these issues. Let me conclude by summarizing, first, we need to move towards an interdisciplinary approach to health. In other words, we need a shift towards one health and health in all policies. Health must be seen as an investment, not as a cost, second point. Prevention is cheaper than reaction. And in other words, preparing for a pandemic is cheaper than uh, fight against it. Third, the One Health approach should be a guiding principle for a successful European Health Union, sustainable food policy, the farm-to-fork strategy, and the Green Deal. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for those wise words. So can we now look at the uh, word cloud and see what One Health means to you? Okay, so here we are. And right at the centre, we have equity. And that's a word we've heard a lot about during this, ta- this session and Ga- this um, time in Gastine. Holistic. Looking at the big picture, which is a good thing because we are bringing together human, animal, environmental health. And so a holistic approach is clearly important. Tonga is in there. Um, I'd love to know why. Um, There have been many challenges there, as you know, with a volcano in the last uh, year. But uh, but, uh, maybe we can come back to that later. Future a future-orientated way of looking at things. And lots of other words, um, I see not all of the, not everybody has adhered to the injunction to use one word. We've got human, planetary and animal health down at the bottom, but that's fine. And so we've got a whole series of words. And what I'm now going to do is to use that as a, a framework for the next discussion. And I think we have Dame Sally Davis on the line. We did have a few minutes ago. Sally, it is an enormous personal pleasure, of course, to have you here. And uh, I think really Sally needs no introduction. Uh, She is particularly the UK Special Envoy on AMR at the minute. So you've had a chance to look at the word cloud there. And I just wondered if there were any of the responses there that um, surprised you, apart from perhaps Tonga, which surprised me as well. But uh, anything other than that?
2: So let me start by saying thank you for the invitation to join you. I'm so sorry I can't be with you, turns just starting in Cambridge, the sun's out here. So you kind of set us the question of, so what is One Health? And I personally think it's about how we as humans sustainably share our planet with animals and plants, maintaining ideally improving our environment. And I think that a number of those words came into uh, it. I think interdependence is very important. Equity, for me, is a grounding of it all. Inclusion, people, I'm looking down at the ones I wrote. And, of course, it's about the future. But I also think it's interesting that people use it in different ways, depending what they are actually talking about. So a lot of people use One Health when they're talking about what I would call spillover, which is a One Health issue, whether it's about toxic substances, the Rachel Carson silent spring from uh, manufacturing or from humans into the environment, whether it's zoonoses, something jumping from animals or um, into humans like COVID-19 did, or, For us, with antimicrobial resistance, AMR, what we're talking about is the impact of using anti-infectives, particularly at the moment, um, antibiotics or antifungals on, if you use them in animals or plants, and what impact that has on human health. So it's about how we live together without degrading any part of our planet and our lives.
0: I suppose when we we look at that with equity at the centre and how we live together, often when we're talking about equity, we're talking about how all of us live together. But some people raise the question of interspecies equity. And whether or not we should be looking at a more equitable relationship with the animals that are around us, let's leave the, um, the, the bacteria and the viruses out there for aside a, a for a minute or two. Uh, any thoughts on that? Because there is a beginning of a movement which is saying that perhaps we need to readjust our relationship in that way.
2: Well. Of course, we all recognise the value and importance of biodiversity. I think my uh, equity is much more about poverty and and inherent uh, unfairnesses within the human race and how that works with sustainability, resilience and security. Uh, But um, biodiversity... comes into that
0: as well. And of course we've got the Dasgupta report and others which really put an economic value in biodiversity I think we're now recognising the importance of that for all of us. Now um, we're trying to get the different understandings of One Health and what it means for what we do. Now you were not just a former Chief Medical Officer you were a practising clinician for many years, you were on the front line treating patients and I'm wondering what you think a One Health approach would mean for health professionals doing what you used to do, what I used to do, uh, and uh, for what many of the, some of the people here do today. What's the relevance there?
2: It is very difficult, because under One Health, when you're thinking about Um, anti-infectives in particular, what you're trying to do is balance the patient in front of you and what's right for them against the broader longer term population health and actually one health sustainability of our whole system. And we do know, for instance, that AMR is driven by overuse uh, of antibiotics, if you're talking about antibiotic resistance. So how do we help our frontline, whether they're doctors or pharmacists or vets, use antibiotics when they're really needed, but not use them when they're not? not give them as a sop to patients who then say, good, I've got something because I did, I felt ill, but say, this is a studied, discussed reason to have an antibiotic. So that's one side. Of course, the equity is. The other side is that while there's excess in some places and it's not limited to the global north, there are access issues, and they can, um, particularly in the global south, and they can be to do with cost, they can be to do with licensing, the supply chain, and stockouts. So, in thinking about the patient in front of you, you have to think what is right for that patient, but in the light of the present evidence and what is available and fairness.
0: So, here we are in the gastine valley i've been coming here for i think over 20 years and uh, a number of other people have too and we've been talking about the same things for a very long time and many other people have been talking about one health for decades but we still seem to be struggling to implement it in practice um, even though we know it's the right thing to do why do you think we're having this problem of making it happen
2: i think it's just too difficult a to concept So I can think about it at that very high level, but then when I go and see doctors or nurses or pharmacists, I want to talk to them about how they treat humans who are ill. When I see vets, I want to talk to them about how they look after sick animals, how they Prevent the use of antimicrobials for growth promotion, how they improve bio, uh, biosecurity. When I talk to another part of the food chain, plant people, I want them to think about how they're using anti infectives, particularly, of course, antifungals. And I think we only make it real at the high level, policy level if we get all the people in the different pillars supporting, including the environment, water handling, manufacturing, all of that, working to deliver their bit. And if we focus on what each of us can do, we will deliver One Health, without many of them even knowing their major contribution.
0: And now, going back again, but not quite as long as the uh, uh, 20 years, but in 2013, you gave a TED Talk and you said, The drugs don't work anymore. And it was an inconvenient truth that we don't want to talk about. We're now almost a decade on from that. Have things improved?
2: Well, the understanding and awareness has improved. Uh, Look at um, The Lancet in February publishing the global burden of disease on AMR and showing that it's the third most important underlying cause of death in humans and kills more people every year than TB, malaria, HIV. So we're beginning to get data understanding. We still have an empty pipeline of new... Um, antibiotics coming into practice. So, more talk, more understanding, not enough action.
0: And who's responsible for that? I mean, you're an AMR envoy. Um, I'm not going to hold you personally responsible for that. Uh, But uh, who do you feel that you need help from and support? Who needs to to do something to make a difference?
2: This is a political issue at the top level um, because I I use the lobster as a a metaphor. COVID was like a lobster being dropped into boiling water. It made a lot of noise and it died, people died. AMR is an insidious, silent, slow pandemic. It's the lobster put in cold water, heating up very slowly. And so it's not making any noise, but people are going to die. Well, they are 1.3 million at least every year. And until people start facing the fact that they've got to sort this out now to protect our children and grandchildren and not see it as silent and over there, we won't get anywhere. And it does need a lot more action. But actually, consumers have a role to play. And as you probably know, I've been working a lot with investors about how they can change the markets for food um, security and resilience without using antibiotics, for instance. So everyone has a role to play, but let's start with policy and politicians.
0: And that's something that's been coming out a lot. You won't have heard the session we had on well-being this morning, but the need for a dialogue with the financial sector is absolutely crucial and something we don't do enough of. So you're also a member of the Global Leaders Group and AMR, and I'm just wondering how, you're, how what progress are you making What are the remaining challenges there? Well, the
2: challenges remain as big as they ever were. But what we have brought together under the Prime Minister of Barbados and the Prime Minister of Bangladesh is a group of people, and you're going to hear from one of our leaders uh, in a few minutes, who actually are bringing advocacy and all their many networks into this advocacy. And I hope will lead the way as we move along a roadmap into the high-level meeting at Unger in 2016. But without a budget, it is about advocacy and activity. Um, yeah.
0: So with we are. Our- we- no. There are lots of civil society representatives in the audience we'll be hearing from some of them later so that is a challenge to them to keep this on the agenda and it's also a challenge to industry who are also well represented here to do that too. Sally, thank you very much indeed. I know that you've got an awful lot to do in Cambridge. It's been a great pleasure having you with us and uh, I hope that we can bring you to the Down Valley some, sometime in the future because it's all, the sun is also shining here. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. So, we will now move into our panel discussion, and it is a hybrid discussion, like so many are at the minute. But let me introduce our, bring to the the, the, uh, podium, our um, in-person, real-life panellist, who again needs very little, if any, introduction, Sandra Galina, who's the Director General in DG, uh, Sante, DG, uh, in in the uh, Health and uh, Food Safety Directorate in the European Commission. And online, we have um, Chris Fern, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Health of Malta, and a member of the One Health Global Leaders Group, Mario Monti, a former Italian Prime Minister and European Commissioner, and also most relevant to all of this, the leader of the, the chair of the Pan-European Commission on Health and Sustainable Development, and Runa Khan, who is the Honorary President of the OSH Forum, a founder and executive director of Friendship, which is a group that is a grassroots organisation working particularly in Bangladesh. So thank. Thank you all very much for joining us it is a tremendous pleasure to have you all with us so sandra i'm going to start with you because you're in the hot seat what does one health mean to you and when you looked at the word cloud what did you what what was there that was there anything that surprised you i wasn't surprised by tonga i'm sorry Is this working?
3: Uh, Yeah. Uh, I wasn't surprised by Tonga, unlike you, because I think that uh, people... um, There is a blind spot in this One Health concept that I want to bring to your attention. I'm very humbled this afternoon, not only because I'm here after Dame Sally Davis, who said all that could be said, but also because I have here in front of me... uh, Professor and, uh, I would say, President, Senator Mario Monti, we had the pleasure to exchange some views on the, uh, let me say, how could we do it better next time for the next pandemic, and I think that we share a lot in common in terms of the of the diagnosis. And also Minister Fern, who has been, you know, um, a sparring partner, but also a most valuable support in all the vaccine, uh, I would say. Uh, adventure. So thank you to both of you. Runa, I meet her today, but I'm told she's an authority on AMR, so I need to be very careful about uh, what I say here. So after this very long introduction, I want to say I don't have much to add, but Real acts, what is it that we are doing? So One Health is not new. 60% of, I would say, uh, <laughs> the diseases that we suffer from are from uh, are zoonotic. Uh, many people uh, were, were joking about monkeypox and basically getting even it wrong because they were saying it comes from monkeys. No, it doesn't come from monkeys. It comes from rodents. Um, and let me say 75% of the emerging and re-emerging infectious diseases. This is where I want to take you are, I would say, of animal origin. So there's something going wrong. There's a very standard idea that you know, we have uh, humans, animals, environment, but there is something that is not in that equation so clearly is climate. Climate change. Climate change, this is why I'm not surprised by Tonga, I'm not surprised by many of the... You should have seen the pictures of Cuba today mm. and the floods oh. there. So there is this, this phenomenon now, this climate change, and we last year, the, we, the European Commission sponsored the Climate and Health Observatory, eh, February 21, because we can see that that is an area where One Health will be playing big. If you, if you allow me to add a further concept... We will need to live by our words. So, including in my DG, you will see. Stay tuned for the 1st of October uh, reorganisation that will live up to the idea of One Health. Because you know, I could see that to reprogram the chip of all colleagues, we needed to be in a structure that reflected the One Health. So. Vets and human medical, I would say, areas need
0: to be much closer together. So you're doing what you can within your directorate general, you're restructuring. What about working across the directorate generals?
3: Well, let me say to you, this is the whole challenge. And uh, Dame uh, Sally Davis, she was mentioning it. The multidisciplinary approach that this uh, item requires is really... Um, A major challenge We are not equipped I think Mentally for such uh, Polluted topics Many a time the constituency that is Immediately in front of you And uh, perhaps it's just a patient uh, As we were just hearing now But in many respects you have The Production, I would say, well, pressurizes you as a minister or as a commissioner in a way that it is very, very difficult to take an approach which elevates you to a different level. I gave, I, she, Dame Sally Davis, gave already the example of. Animal production. Um, The um, UN uh, Institute for Animal Health, I don't remember the acronym, but you know, they were listing seven causes, seven causes of zoonosis, and one of them was the intensive breeding of animals. Intensive breeding, but you know, Mm. difficult to walk out if you are a Minister for Agriculture or a a Commissioner for Agriculture from that
0: dilemma. Indeed. Well, thank you very much. Let me now move to Malta and Chris, what stood out for you from the uh, from the word cloud? Anything in particular apart from Tonga getting a mention and Malta not, of course. Yeah, I'm jealous of
4: that actually, um, and the sun is shining here, unsurprisingly, as well. Um, so, Martin, yes, a couple of of words refer to planet or planetary or planetary health, and I think um, that encompasses it very well because. The concept, the concept of one health, overlaps quite, quite well with, with the concept of, of, of Gaia, of the, the Gaia concept, where, where, whereby we're all one one big one, one big thing: humans, plants, animals, and, and the environment we live in. And also with the concept of you remember we've been discussing this over the last few years of the whole of government and the whole of society. So so it's not the, these phrases shouldn't compete with each other, they should all be, they should all be one,
0: one, uh, one concept. Holistic, uh, that was on the, uh, on the word cloud as yeah, well. Yeah, but,
4: but, but this, this idea that human beings are not... Um, we are special, of course, but, right. we, but we're, we're just part of, of the environment and of the world that we live in, isn't necessarily as universal as we think. I mean, a lot of our religions actually uh, are based on the, on, the, on the premise. Now, Chris, um, sorry. Yeah, go, go on.
0: I was going to say, you, you're in a very unusual position, actually not unique, because uh, I'm sure you've noticed that the United Kingdom has emulated what you're doing, and that you're not just a health minister, you're a deputy prime minister. And you know that gives you almost unlimited authority, doesn't it? So how are you <laughs> making use of that, uh, of that status and position that you've got in Malta to, to make things better?
4: Okay, so, so I, I give my regards to Deputy Prime Minister Coffey, now, now that you mention him. Um, and and you, you never know, it might be a, starting a trend here for, <laughs> for health ministers to be Deputy Prime Minister. Um, but, but yes, I mean, as I say, there's, there's this overlap with, with the Gaia concept. We are part of the whole, of the whole, of the whole group. But also, um, this concept of hold of government. Now, this is a bit alien. Um, the concept of one health or whole of government, or whatever you want to call it, is a battalion to the way that we do, that we do um, the business of government, because so how, how, how do governments in a in, in democratic society work? They work vertically. So the executive is made up of different ministers, and rather than the ministers themselves, it's usually the, the state secretary or the permanent secretary or the staff who are very jealous of, of, of the territory that they are um, responsible for. So so they, they get very upset if somebody from another ministry uh, they feel is encroaching on what should be their responsibility. And also, likewise, they are very, very uh, easy for them to, to to brush off problematic areas and say, this doesn't belong to me. It belongs to somebody else. So these these silos, if you like, um, are, are really the way that that governments work. Of course, there's a lot of cooperation cooperation, and cooperation between between ministers, but it's vertical. The whole of government, or or One Health, or whatever you want to call it, uh, needs a horizontal mode of doing government, government. not not vertical like we are used to. So we need need this new concept. Uh, And possibly the fact that it's, it's termed One Health might actually be an obstacle to this because, well, because I'm, going to I'm going to come back. Yeah, to that. Because one health, we, we feel as yes, health ministers, it should belong to us. But it shouldn't belong to us. It should be. It should be. It should be vertical. There is one example that, that we can give. Very briefly,
0: because right? we need. Yeah.
4: Very briefly, and that is the, the, the finance ministry. The finance ministry. Is, is horizontal because every year all ministers have to have to discuss with the finance minister what the, what the budget will be like for, for the implementation of projects for the for the next year. So if we want to be serious about this whole of government or this this one hand, what we should be campaigning for is not is not for this concept to belong to the health minister, but for there to be a structure similar to the finance ministry, which is. Horizontal rather than vertical.
0: Well, we're now going to move from a Deputy Prime Minister with absolutely no disrespect to that position to somebody who is a former real Prime Minister who actually had all the responsibility. And uh, that is Mario Monti, uh, who occupied that position in Italy, but in particular, as I've said, had this crucial role in the leadership of the Pan-European Commission. Mario, was there anything in the word cloud that surprised you?
5: Uh, Well, uh, holistic, but that is not surprising, that is the very essence uh, of uh, it, Uh, equity. And uh, I would also like to uh, highlight a particular angle of equity, which uh, strikes me in the One Health concept. It's, uh, It's also intergenerational equity. Because if we do not take care of the health of the planet, and of human health, and in, a, in a nutshell, of one health, we will leave a negative legacy to successive generations, that is in terms of uh, uh, quality of life through the environment. But also, if we are unprepared for uh, potential catastrophes, like a pandemic, we will aggravate another legacy we leave to succeeding generations, that is the debt, the public debt. Because we have seen uh, how NDR, health and finance get together. We have seen how much unprepared and unprevented Uh, uh, pandemic cost uh, us all in terms of public debt and in terms of inflation, by the way. So, unless we do adopt operationally this one health approach, we risk leaving a degraded legacy uh, to successive generations, both in terms of environment, health, and also the economy.
0: So we're we're seeing equity being broken down a bit here. We talked a bit about interspecies equity, intergenerational equity, different forms of equity. Let me also just take you back to One Health, because I'm guessing when you took on the role, uh, when Hans Kluger invited you to take on the role in the Pan-European Commission, the term One Health was, I suspect, relatively new to you. And I just wonder if we need to do more to explain what we mean by One Health to people who, like you, have come from other sectors and uh, haven't, haven't been seeing it before.
5: Uh, Definitely, but uh, Martin, uh, uh, that that is a wrong guess in my case. By the way, I want to highlight that Martin was the scientific uh, uh, engine of our Pan-European Commission as Chairman of the Scientific Committee. Uh, But uh, in fact, I did know about One Health, but almost casually. Uh, This is because in my previous political life, uh, I had offered a candidature to Parliament, uh, and she was elected, indeed, to a a famous virologist, Ilaria Capua, who uh, was uh, among the developers of this One Health concept. So I was ignorant of uh, everything about health, but not about the concept of One Health, Martin.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. So there we are. I'm, I'm, I'm corrected then. So thank you very much. Indeed, Mario, we're going to come back to you in a minute or two. Um, I'm now moving on to our fourth pa- uh, remaining panelists, Runa, Khan. Uh, and Runa, uh, I think you're on the screen there. So can you give us a view from the grassroots? What does one health mean to you? And I just wondered if you could share any practical examples of how your organization friendship has taken a one health approach to support communities in Bangladesh. What sort of things are you doing and why are you doing them?
6: Thank you very much. I'm very happy and uh, honoured to be invited with uh, our panellists here today. Uh, Let me step back a little bit. So regarding One Health, regarding the... Equi- regarding the way that the world, you know, has suddenly become so uh, understanding of this concept, you know, over the last few years, especially with COVID, it gives it brings to my mind certain thoughts. One is we had stepped away very much from this world where, as human beings, uh, you mentioned religion. It's a civic right, religious right of every individual, every being, every creature on this planet. We all have equal rights. And this understanding is something that we had stepped away from. Human beings was taking over the world far too easily, far too much. And we had treaded on each other's foot. foot, and results happen when that happens. Be it environment, be it the climate, be it the, fish in the sea, the animals, and human beings. Of course, as uh, Dame Sally Davis had said, it is for the human beings that, you know, for us, that's priority one. But everything else needs to work in synergy. If it doesn't, if there is no justice, then there is unfairness, equity of the world, and that leads to issues. So 20 years ago, I started working with the most climate vulnerable communities of this world. Climate was not such a big topic. But in there, I found that working with those who, were, who had nothing, who were migrating 20, 30, 40 times in their lifetime, and each migration meant that they lost everything and they became poorer, I realized that not one health, not one, no catchwords. I just realized that as human beings, we needed to work. If we wanted to work with development, we needed to work. Bringing one word, which I found missing today uh, in the in the whole, uh, you know, the panel uh, in the in the word count here, is the word dignity. You know, we need to ensure that human dignity is respected at every step that we take, and and equity is of course important. Climate is important, but human dignity is the outcome that we need to have. And uh, so uh, keeping that in mind, we started a concept of what we say, um, a holistic integrated model. Now 20 years ago, this was like so unfashionable. People thought that this was like, oh my God, we've gone through all this. It doesn't, it is not going to work. You need projects. And everybody had their own silos and their own agendas. Be it governments, be it organizations, be it companies, everyone had, One thing that they would like to, they wanted to bring forward some kind of links to their own world, and this needed to be broken, and I needed to work in a way where integrated solution, not only for health, I can detail upon that later, but for life and living, had to be had to be done, which meant that. A child gets cured of, uh, of say, uh, orthopedic surgery, cannot go home and die because of starvation. Uh, children running around with, uh, with uh, de- having a deworm done, but then the animals uh, are, you know, barefoot because of poverty, and through the animals they're getting worms again. It does not work like that. We need it to work totally in an integrated system. So for 20 years, this is what we've been doing with Quite amazing results. Getting
0: everybody to come together. I actually will digress a little bit. I, I read a story the other day of uh, someone who found a black widow spider in their, black, in their backyard and they phoned an entomologist to say, what do I do with this? Because they were worried about the children going out into the backyard and the entomologist said, could you not get the children to play somewhere else? So, uh, <laughs> Runa, thank you very much indeed. I'm going to come back to all of you in a minute, but this is where we're going to walk out into the audience to get a few very quick views and I think we're going to have some cartoons up on the screen as well and so I'm going to start off with a question to civil society. You've heard the challenge there Uh, and Milka of course is from European Public Health Alliance. One minute.
6: Okay, so bringing in the civil society angle and also bringing in the angle of the sustainable food systems. We haven't touched much on those, but the sustainable food systems touch on the AMR, touch uh, on the healthy diets, on health promotion, therefore, on climate, on on biodiversity, you name it. So today, we absolutely need um, an urgent transition into healthy and sustainable food systems. Great. And that's okay. one minute. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> um, we do believe that the One Health uh, approach should be leading this transition. Exactly. And by the way, it needs to be regulated. So that's the message to, to Sandra and her DigiSante.
0: Okay, thanks very much indeed. And uh, now I'm joined by Iodia uh, Alakija. Uh, from. Uh, you're going to tell us what your, your impression is of, uh, of what you've been hearing. Well, Tonga... Um,
7: Yeah, because you're actually from Fiji originally. (laughs) Well, there you go. not that far away. Um, So Tonga was actually my contribution um, Ah, to the cloud. good. And Tonga was a contribution because, for several reasons, number one, climate, because, of course, the small island states are some of the most affected by um, planetary health and the climate, as Sandra was saying. Um, But also from an animal's perspective, because Tonga is... um, It was... is my daughter's dog, is also my daughter's dog. So we used to talk about animals that uh, was okay. appointed special envoy by CEPI Vaccines as a One Health special envoy because of a recognition of of the part that animals play in the lives that we all lead. So for me, it was a, a complexity it was bringing exactly that complexity that we're being too siloed in our thinking and we need to be a whole lot more inclusive of the small island states thinking of climate, thinking of animals, thinking of spillovers. For me, that is what I've heard today.
0: And there are enormous challenges there. Of course, there's the, the issue of mutton flaps, for example, exported from New Zealand, a uh, very unhealthy diet, and the challenges of uh, salination of the soil, which is creating problems made more in Tuvalu and Kiribati and elsewhere. Boris, this is going to be... So, one minute.
8: This is going to be a huge challenge. Yes, it's going to be a huge challenge to uh, summarise in one minute 100 years of contribution from MSD to the you know okay. one health agenda. Okay. 100 years with you know vaccines for both humans and animals, uh, technologies to monitor uh, and tra- trace uh, disease, uh, even you know vaccines for example, or vaccine for Ebola. Ebola is a zoonotic uh, uh, disease. So my you know my main point is is really. Uh, uh, because I obviously always... Oh, yes. And and stewardship. So MSD has been uh, implementing stewardship programs across the world from the US to India in order to prevent misuse or to promote prudent use of of, uh, pharmaceuticals. So my goal (laughs) is preparedness, you know, pandemic preparedness. So as they
0: say, a word from our sponsors. Thank you very much indeed, Boris. Thank you. Uh, So so Thank you very much. So I'm now going to go back to our panel. Uh, so we have heard, from, um, we've heard a number of views from the, the audience there. And can I come back to getting our panel on the screen again? And Mario, I want to ask you, um, it's been a year since the launch of your report and it recommended the adoption of a One Health approach. I just wondered if you would reflect on the progress that you think has been made, what has worked, what hasn't worked and if there have been challenges, why?
5: Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Uh, I understand that uh, a lot of progress has been achieved here. under the impulsion of uh, uh, WHO Europe uh, and uh, regional director, um, Hans Klug. Uh, first of all, in the uh, follow-up to the presentation of the Pan-European Commission report, uh, a, a number of groups, uh, working groups have been set up at uh, the regional level. Uh, so as to uh, see more in depth uh, how to proceed to the implementation of the various proposals of the report. And four items have been selected there for particular attention. One is indeed One Health. And also the others are the Pan-European Network for Disease Control, investing in health, and equitable access to vaccines and medical countermeasures across WHO, European region, in times of emergency. And uh, in particular, in the the matter of one health, by the way, I was delighted to hear from Director General Galina that she is going and the European Commission is going to Uh, very crucially, implement in organisational terms this One Health uh, concept. Uh, That's a great step, I believe. Uh, We have, I mean, WHO uh, Europe has uh, um, set up a a coordination mechanism for One Health uh, with a number of specific operational dimensions. Uh, we shall not go uh, through here, uh, but um, I think indeed uh, uh, progress is, uh, is being uh, achieved, not only conceptually, but also operationally. Let me close with one remark, Martin, if I may, mm-hmm. that, it, that is, uh, uh, that uh, as already the Deputy Prime Minister of Malta was uh, uh, underlining. Uh, there is this problem of the silos uh, within the structure of governments, and our Pan European Commission uh, worked very much on the uh, inconveniences and the big uh, uh, drawbacks of uh, the uh, separateness between uh, finance ministries and health ministries and we have come up with concrete suggestions on how to uh, bring the two closer together structurally, also and particularly at the global level. And uh, the G20 has already set up a a joint uh, health and finance uh, task force, which uh, is going to uh, structure the modalities of work of health and finance ministers together. Uh, We believe that this is uh, an important step and reflects uh, one of the dimensions of One Health.
0: And can I just maybe add a personal note because as someone who, as you say, was participating in this, the very rich and supportive dialogue that we had with the commissioners who were coming from outside health, from government, from finance and from elsewhere was extremely rewarding. And, you know, if we think that we're not being listened to, well, we are. But also there are many people there who have a lot to say to us as well. And actually, we're very much on the same page in many things. Thank you very much, Mario. I'll come back to you at the end. And then I want to move to Runa, if I May. And Runa, if I could just ask you to reflect on the biggest challenges that you have faced in implementing One Health at a grassroots level.
6: Well, (laughs) let me start off with the fact that nobody believed it. Everybody, and I could not get funding, budgeting from anywhere because everyone had their own agenda. And I've repeated this earlier before. Today, over 20 years, we've been doing this one health, and the changes that you find are things which are not, uh, which you know we, we are in a modality of always doing pilots. It's finished. I think we need to forget about pilotitis and start really finding solution where it works, and this one whole health uh, one one health solution is a solution for tomorrow. So, you know, we are now today serving about seven million people every year. We have, uh, you know, we started work with the floating ship hospitals, healthcare systems. Our EPI, for example, from 37% officially, unofficially 15%, went up to 98% within two years because we had this integrated system. you know, just awareness, creating awareness on zoonotic z- diseases and avoiding consumptions of date, palm sap, and, uh, you know, use of bamboo skirtings. We had zero NIPA uh, cases last year, you know, mm. in, our, in our work areas. So it's a total holistic solution, but it is very difficult for people to accept that actually there are solutions. And I think this understanding needs to be done from the by the government. Uh, we need to look at how it you know in how it can be done on with already existing programs of many different organizations around the world instead of trying to model and remodel and only have platforms and awareness and talk about. So we need to get down to the solutions now.
0: And then what you're also saying is that success breeds success because whenever you can show that things work, then you can catalyze that you can work on that and, and move forward.
6: Absolutely. And just one more more minute, Mm. it's, you know, it's a question of integrating everybody. Not only everybody, but every Every side. side, From the government, the political system is extremely important, through the academia, to understanding of people, of touching the people's hearts for understanding, very often we ignore that, to being able to actually show years of impact. Because you cannot say something can be successfully done just because you have an idea and you have the money to be able to implement mm. it. It needs, uh, it needs years of track record. It needs same level quality to be kept. It needs insurance that this can go, uh, it can be replicated very and scaled very easily. And these are things which we have to step back with humility mm. and understand that we are not the one. The, the solution can happen only when togetherness happens. Okay. And respect can happen for each other and each other's work.
0: Uh, thank you very much for that. And again, I'll come back to you, and, but move to Malta to Valletta. Chris. Uh, question for you: You sit with Sally on the uh, Global Leaders Group on One Health for AMR. So, do you think that what that group is doing can really get the traction that we need to bring about change?
4: Well, it, it, the fact that the GLG, the Global Leaders Group, exists is already is already. Uh, a step forward, because this is, is a, it's exactly um, a really good example of One head. So, Global Leaders Group represents the, the Food and Agriculture Organization, the United Nations Environment Programme, World Health Organization, and the World Organization for Animal Health. Um, so, so it's it's a group of about 20 people, um, and, and we advocate for for AMR. What we've managed to do is to bring AMR onto the onto the UN uh, General Assembly agenda. And in fact, in 2024, so in a couple of years' time, there's a high-level meeting um, at the United Nations General Assembly, specifically on AMR on antimicrobial resistance. So this this I think in 2024 has to be a watershed moment for for the world to understand that AMR is is a killer um, and i think the uh, sally alluded to this we have data on on the contribution of amr towards the burden of disease in humans and um, we're just starting to get an inkling of how important AMR is. we have very little data on animals but we're starting to have some data there but we have very we have practically no data at all on what mr is doing in the environment and the extent of contamination that we have from 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 antibiotics and if, if i can make an appeal here is it, it, is exactly this we need surveillance we need not only surveillance on humans and animals and on plants but we need surveillance um, also on our wastewater on our sewage um, easy to do, not very not very expensive to do, but that can give us um, a lot of important data on which we can then build our case. And then
0: build our policies. So now we need a a global burden of animal disease as well as Chris Murray's global burden of disease. Um, And environmental as well. I'm hesitant to suggest that to him because I know he'll be away at it very quickly. OK, thanks very much, Chris. Again, stay around. Um, And, Sandra, final question in this round for you. The key challenges that you see in bringing the concept of One Health to a reality within the Commission.
3: Yes, uh, I think that uh, one needs to be really very concrete in what we are going to really face. So first of all, let's divide it into domestic, European and international. So domestically, we will go ahead with a council recommendation. And again, it's a a way of legislating, which is very peculiar for this area, because, you know, I don't have many tools, but as uh, President Monti knows, I don't stop at the treaty, so we go for council recommendation on AMR halving the sales of antimicrobials for, I would say, farming or aquaculture by 2030. Uh, I would say that within the domestic realm, definitely wastewater is already uh, there. We will intensify, but what we need to really introduce, and this is not just in Europe but globally, is. Uh, a sort of surveillance which they call deep surveillance deep integrated surveillance meaning that you start with animals and you end up with humans and to have that I'm sorry to go back to basics you need to have real good systems in every country so you know you can't have data being collected by whom so uh, it's it's a fundamental problem of the dysfunctionality of uh, health systems and I would say that all of this we're trying to reflect and here comes the international agenda onto our position on the pandemic treaty, this agreement that we would like to have as a binding one, which we'll have. We have submitted a paper as Europe as One Health, uh, because we feel that it needs to figure out, to figure that prominently. And, uh, you know, the G20 work, we are not only following, but we are putting the money into that. So, you know, it is connected also to the fifth, to many things that are happening. And I want to finish with a bit of a more paradoxical um, reasoning. Now, uh, silos don't exist because, you know, we humans don't know how to work otherwise. It's that the silo is very efficient. A silo thinks of its own needs in a very efficient way. So it is extremely difficult to have a whole of government approach. But let me give you one punch a bit. Um, uh, when I hear about, and I go back to the climate, which I still felt today is a bit of a blind spot. Uh, the Tonga surprise stems from the fact that you don't understand that the melting of the ice in the polar uh, thing is not a danger for the Polar bear. It's a danger for us humans. And this is where I would like to close the cycle. You need to uh, remember that there is a cycle where we will be victims of our own making, of our own making. And so legislation will be there internally and internationally. And I'm pleading that you support us because sometimes we feel very lonely as Europe because we have a holistic approach with 27 member states and it's not a simple one. But we try. We try to go that way. Okay. Well,
0: thank you very much we're just going to now move to Tamsin who, is, Tamsin, who is going to share some observations from the newsroom. And Floris, I think you've got some cartoons to share with us. Tamsin, over to you.
8: Thanks very much. Well, it's been really lively, the questions that are coming in from the audience, and i have grouping them together under a couple of headings. The first is looking at our economic models. People are asking, you know, what's the, uh, is, where's the discussion on using antibiotics that's to enable factory farming, which is such a big driver for AMR. Somebody else has asked, you know, our, previously our model was high volume and low margins for antibiotics and others, and is that the problem? Have we changed it? We also have some interesting questions about the whole aspect of framing it. So does the concept of One Health have more political acceptability than that of climate change, where we've got significant vested interests that want to deny it? A shout-out to Runa to reminding us that some communities have already been displaced multiple times and human dignity should be a policy goal. And then, is One Health a way to give more space to the traditional knowledge and steward practices of indigenous people? Um, We've also got some comments to say, okay, how would we measure? What are the indicators to measure One Health? We've got the DALIs, we've got the burden of health, but what's that one figure that that pulls it together? Again, mentions about the silo mentality of both EU institutions and national governments. Who's pulling it all together? Somebody is saying, can the panel think of a way to mobilize farmers to be the activists in the front line of One Health. And finally, you know, we're starting to understand just how important the soil is and soil quality to life on Earth. Is soil a front line for One Health? And if so, who has responsibility for that? So loads of questions to the panel.
0: OK, great. Well, they're not going to be able to answer them in this session because, of course, we're running very tight on time. But we will be coming back to you. If you've got more comments, put them in, because we'll be coming back to Tamsin in a few minutes. But I'm going to, to the final round now, where I need very brief answers from the panellists, because I've been hopeless at chairing the session. And, Sandra, I'm going to start with you. Are you optimistic?
3: Yes, I what? am, because I believe in science and I believe that human uh, beings have a way of, of getting out of the trouble they created for themselves. So I, but, you know, <laughs> I fundamentally believe that it needs to go through a different uh, sharing of the cake. Equity, we go back to that. We go back to equity. Unfortunately, without
0: equity, we will not be able to surmount this difficulty. Great, thanks. Chris, a question for you. What are the crucial next steps that we need to take to make One Health a reality?
4: Okay, so I think we need to we need to learn a bit from Covid, but we need to to be able to not be afraid of our successes. So Covid was possibly the the biggest example of of a whole of government or a whole of society approach over the last two years. Everybody contributed, all ministries contributed, um, and it was it was possibly the best example that you could have of, 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 a, of a whole of government approach. However, our success might actually be a problem going forward if we have a, a similar pandemic. At the beginning of COVID, the mortality rates that were predicted were quite high. And they were actually about 10 times uh, the actual of what, of what the actual mortality rates um, turned out to be. Now, this is possibly because or probably because of, of the tough mitigating factors that we put in, and because of the vaccine. But governments, especially non-health ministries and society, look back at those figures and say, you exaggerated. The the measures were too exaggerated. You put too much emphasis on, on the vaccines. It's the other way around. Because of our success, the mortality rate that was predicted didn't turn up. We only got 10% of what was predicted, but that's because of the success of the mitigation of the whole of government approach. So we need to shout this out. We need to shout out our, our, our success. This, this, this modesty as, as doctors is misplaced
8: in this
0: case. This is the paradox, isn't it? When it works, of course, people <laughs> say you were crying. Well, Mario, question for you. And, and just I'll <laughs> preface it by something that my very good friend Natasha azapardi Muscat said yesterday, uh, one of her neighbours in Malta said that uh, since you moved from Malta to Copenhagen to WHO, we've had wars, we've had plagues, we've had flooding, we've had everything else. Can you please come <laughs> back again and then the world will be fine? So we have one crisis after another. and there's a danger or is there, do you think? Some of the crises like the pandemic are in a way good for One Health, getting it on the agenda, but some of the other crises like the war in Ukraine might divert us. What do you think is the balance in all of this?
5: Um, That is uh, uncertain, but one thing is certain to me that uh, the COVID-19 was a an extremely powerful marketing tool for the one health concept it uh, threw upon us uh, the one health concept uh, and uh, by uh, hitting where it hurts most uh, that is on human health it really forced uh, into us individually into our organizations into our governments to uh, really approach the One Health and derive a lot, a lot of things from it. And last note uh, yes, there is a risk that uh, one crisis crowds out uh, the other. Uh, and it was precisely to make sure that at the highest political level, the memory of the tragedy of COVID 19 is not. Uh, uh, swept away by the next crisis, which is Ukraine, that uh, we believe it is very important that the G20 keeps uh, the health ministers sitting next to the finance ministers also
0: for the future. And, of course, there is a humanitarian crisis beyond the war in Ukraine as well, the damage to hospitals, health facilities, the risk of infectious disease, of course, and so on. So there is a clear role for the health ministries, and I know that WHO has been very active there. Thanks, Mario. Runa, a final question for you. We've seen with... I think, horror and shock, the flooding in Pakistan. And uh, what do you see, you know, from coming from that part of the world, as what the world leaders really need to do? Yeah, we have a country where a, th- a third of the country is underwater. The crops are devastated. And we're seeing similar crises in many other parts, whether it's extreme heat, extreme weather events. What is your call for action and where does a One Health approach fit into that?
6: First, climate. Uh, we need to really, uh, <laughs> Deputy Prime Minister, Minister Vonte, Sally, Sandra, we all need to get together. You see, it is only together the climate issue can be resolved. Pakistan had started the flooding few, quite a few, 10 years ago, because I was there at that time, working also with, the, with, the, with the, you know, the floods in Pakistan, and I said, this is going to keep happening now. And look at it today learnings, mutual sharing, compassion, having a bit of empathy, cross, uh, uh, you know, like you have, this is the European platform. I am French, for me, Europe is the center of the world, nearly the center of the world, that's for sure. But if it's to remain this, it needs to know that it is the center, so there is a big wide world. Everything that goes on everywhere, directly, indirectly, is going to affect every person in this space, like it is happening in Pakistan. Pakistan, Balochistan, you see Balochistan, <laughs> the sandy desert, and like, yeah. like, a, like, a, like a sea. It's incredible, isn't it? it? It's like the sea. And you see the torrential rains coming in. How can one not understand the importance of preparedness and preparedness means you real preparedness prevention is second step and at the end of all this we, we do not understand you know there are two steps of understanding one is the action understanding one is the human heart change understanding and this is extremely important, because without this, we cannot make this world which we always talk about globalization, into a true uh, a, a epitome, you know of being something which is shared and which can bring trouble and relief. Together. And
0: we're all so in it this. It
6: has th- to be done together.
0: And, and we're all in this together, very clearly. <laughs> so, we're now going to take a very brief break. We'll go back to Tamson and Floris for the cartoons in the newsroom. What would you like to share with us?
8: Thank you. And again, I've just been looking at the Twitter feed to see what people are uh, highlighting. Several people picking up on the need for regulation and the role of regulation in setting the frameworks. Um, some recognition to the message from uh, Mr. From, um, Monty to say that if we don't fix this, we're going to leave a denigrated legacy of public debt to successive generations. It's so just reminding us on that. And also a lot of support for the message around equity. And that final message from Runa about you change the human heart, and it's all about hearts and minds. Great. Thanks. And
0: Forrest, do you have some cartoons for us there? Can we see them? Oh, great. More climate refugees. Now, dear, be nice. Compassion. Compassion. And Runa talked about dignity. (laughs) Dignity, compassion, more than equity. It is actually about who we are, who they are, and whether we're all holistic, whether we're all coming together in a world. Who is our neighbor? To go back to another illusion. Great. Thanks very much indeed. And we've had that before. Lovely. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So we're almost at the end and I'm just going to give each of the panellists one last sentence and no more. And let's just do it. Sandra, let me start with you as you're here. Last thought after listening to all of this.
3: That we can only succeed together (laughs) and together means stretching from plants, animals and humans and in all the parts of the world.
0: So we can choose to live together or die together. Really, that's the option, isn't it? Chris, your final thought.
4: You mentioned this before, interspecies equity, if you want to call it that. We we need to realise that the world isn't here for us, but we are part of the world.
0: Thanks. And Mario, final thought.
5: If we work uh, hard enough and together enough, uh, we can hope that uh, in a few years in the world uh, cloud, there will be not Tonga, but another word from the southern hemisphere, Tango.
0: Indeed. And I think a message that is coming across very clearly, we need to be working together. And to quote another politician, yes, we can. Runa, absolutely (laughs) not last but definitely not least, your final thought.
6: Thank you. So, a solemn oath that we all work together. (laughs) We have a fantastic panellist. We have an audience. We have a lot of people together who believe. So. Let's take an oath so that we can do this together and we shall.
0: So, thank you very much indeed. I think we've really had the A team. I did promise you that this would be the most important session at the whole forum. I think that our panelists have lived up to that. I think they have. And so, I'd like you to thank them all and maybe think about if we could have a global competition for a global government. I think we can see who would form the cabinet <laughs> in this global government from this stellar lineup we have. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And, uh, and thank you to Floris and Thompson. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to Sally um, and to Minister Rauke. And uh, thank you to all of you for participating. Enjoy the rest of the forum. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.